0: Hello, this is Johnny Walker and welcome once again to Growing Up on Capitol Hill. Uh, this is episode 10 now, how about that? Number one, zero, 10, we're in double digits. Uh, please enjoy yourself, sit back, relax, smile, and we want you to uh, be comfortable with it and pass on uh, this uh, experience to others. Neighborhood athletics. There really was not much room in the front or backyard for kids to play at my house. My sisters would play hopscotch and and jacks and jump rope and their girlfriends would come by and sit on the porch and shoo me away so that they could talk about stuff. I did not care to hear. My dad had bought me a yo-yo, but this contemporary pacifier did not burn enough energy. However, somehow, I never wanted for toys. My imaginary games would allow me to simulate playing army with sticks and rocks. And times, other times, there would be the ants in the jar that I had scooped up and punched holes into the top, and upon shaking the jar, I watched as the ants would rebuild their structured mounds, learning how relentless and organized they were. Hmm. Other kids played football in the nearby fields just to the right of our front door across the street. I would watch the older boys and was intrigued by the plays that they ran. I grew very quickly into a self-taught athlete with a lightning speed and good hand and eye coordination, with an ability to mimic what I'd seen on TV. I asked my mom, Can I go over and watch the boys close up? She answered cautiously. Yes, but be careful. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. As a young kid, the older boys would let me play with them because, as they would say, he is fast. This diamond-shaped grassy field at the corner between North Capitol Street and E Street, which butted up to an apartment building. As I approached the players, one kid asked if I wanted to play, and before I could answer, one of the other kids said, hey, he's too small. The other kid said, he can play, he is fast, and nodded at me to come over. The first two plays seemed to be rather routine. Then I was asked, what? Do you know what a a button hook is? I said, no. Look, just run about 10 steps and turn around, and I'll throw you the ball. I did as I was told and caught the ball. My tennis shoes had very little rubber on the soles, but that did not stop my legs and feet from moving quickly to avoid those big kids who chased me as if they were gonna kill me. I jugged to the left and then to the right as I advanced to the goal line. No one could get a hand on me as I continued downfield toward the goal. Two kids were so close to getting me that I was forced to run into the bushes (laughs) and stop just shy of the waiting brick wall of the apartment building. My team came and cheered me on as they beat back the shrubs to make me a path out. I stepped very gingerly as I realized that I had run into broken glass bottles that had sheared my worn out tennis shoes. My socks and shoes were covered with blood as two kids assisted me, one under each arm, lifted me and walked me to the front door of my home. They explained to my mother what had happened and she thanked them with concerned eyes and a worried look. She sat me down on the chair and slowly took off my shoes. Then the bloody socks. Then with a pair of tweezers, she began pulling the pieces of remaining glass out of my feet. She soothed my feet with peroxide and wrapped them with bandages. Then (laughs) muffled my sobs and tears with a handful of Ritz crackers and soft humming to a musical ballad. Mom had a melodic tone to her songs, calming and cheerful tones. Uh, A couple days later, I was back on the field playing with those kids again. Same shoes. In front of our house was a government building, Food and Drug Administration. The wall directly in front of my house to the right near the corner where the bus stop and streetcar stop. It allowed me to throw the baseball just the right distance, 60 feet to my friend Dwight, who was the perfect practice partner, which later proved to be the edge that I would need to help my team, my baseball team. Yes, there were two white guys in their early 20s who lived on E Street in the same building with the pretty lady who had those nice turkey, or should I say chicken legs, shapely legs, who earned her sheets like mom and from time to time I would see these guys on my way to St. Peter's School. We would greet each other as they would be going the opposite direction on their way to catch the streetcar in front of my house. It was not uncommon to see them getting off the bus at the end of their workday. This day though, Tom and Bill stopped and watched me as I threw my fastball to Dwight. Bill, his friend, looked on as I threw yet another fastball when Tom asked Dwight for his baseball glove and motioned to me to throw another as he got into a catcher squat. I wound up and fired it back with my best stinger, which made a loud smack in the leather glove. Tom stood up and nodded to Bill while fanning his hand and returning the glove to Dwight. He looked in my direction and said, good throw. What is your name? Johnny, I said. Later, These two guys must have been inspired by seeing us play because they stopped and said that they would be coaching the St. Peter's baseball team next season and asked if Dwight and I wanted to join the team. I was so excited about the opportunity and then smiles and cheers turned into sadness when Dwight lamented, I don't go to St. Peter's school. Dwight and I were partners and were the perfect one-two punch as catcher and pitcher. Dwight lived just two blocks away, but he was kind of, well, his clothes were always shabby. Not that I had the best ones on when playing. And he lived with his grandma. We never talked about his parents. It seems to be a a, a subject he did not care to talk about. One day, he saw me playing alone, throwing the ball off the wall. And he asked if I wanted to play catch. We became good friends. He was a good friend with a wonderful personality. Bob the coach said, in order to play, you need to go to the Catholic school. He went on to say, I'm sure Dwight, uh, we can find a place for you on the practice team. Cheers and smiles once again came over all of our faces as my mind started racing ahead and anticipating wearing the uniforms and competing against other teams as I'd seen with Skip and the Washington Senators on TV with my dad. Baseball practice. The coaches have finally gotten the okay for us to begin our baseball season. Practices would be held on St. Peter's School playground, the grassless field that I had won the race against Speedy. This was big stuff. This was the first baseball team ever to be held at St. Peter's School. The head priest, Father Donahue, made a formal announcement over the intercom, and introduced the coaches and gave Tim's dad a special thank you for donating the uniforms. The prayer was said for us to have a safe season. We were to practice at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays and Saturday at 8 a.m. Those who were interested in playing would have to complete a permission slip signed by their parents. I had managed to get an extra permission slip for Dwight, (laughs) my friend in the neighborhood who did not attend St. Peter's. He later told me that his grandma would not sign it and that he would not be able to practice with us. I explained Dwight's plight to the coaches, and they said that no one could play without permission slips. It was the school's rules. My dad was excited as I and signed the slip right away. There were many times he would want me to sit with him in front of our black and white TV watching the Washington Senators, our DC team. He tried to play catch with me once, but uh, after throwing the ball once, he complained about his shoulder. I appreciated the effort. The first day was exciting and confusing in terms of players and, and positions. The turnout was bigger than the coaches had anticipated. We had been asked to bring our gloves, which I did, Warned and broken in, I felt right at home (laughs) with this glove. Although I had practiced catching and pitching, I soon found myself being assigned to left field, not giving it a second thought, just doing what I was told, but aware of the overwhelming number of white kids who were in line for the infield positions I was glad to be on the roster. Let us see. I was um, 10 or 11 years old back in 1963. Jackie Robinson had broken the color barrier in 1952, a year before I was born. Willie Mays was the current African-American hero hitting some 40 plus home runs in a season. It was just a matter of time before I would get my chance to join the super black heroes of this era. I'm not sure when I learned how to hit the ball. Maybe it was at Garfield playground or, or looking at the Washington Senators with my dad on TV, but it was effortless. I was so good that the coaches asked me to head the warm-up drills from time to time. I would stand at home plate, throw the ball up, and hit it into the direction of left field, then center field, right field, and grounders to the infield, simply mimicking what I had seen the coaches do. The respect of my fellow players was genuine as I was glad to share with them how I had and could do certain things such as demonstrating that I could hit left-handed or right-handed and how throwing a grounder underhanded to first base was quicker than throwing it overhand. I understood that by teaching them it made all of us as a team better. The joy of doing and playing baseball and teaching it was fun and it gave me a tremendous confidence boost. And doing my night prayers, I was sure to give thanks to God. One day, while fielding balls from right field The coach for the first time yelled at me. He had hit a high fly ball to me. As I ran under the ball, I dropped my glove on the ground, caught the high ball with my bare hands, threw it up again, rubbed my hands together to soothe the sting and caught it a second time and threw it back to home plate. (laughs) Coach was on my case for the rest of the practice. Don't be a hot dog, he yelled. Next I ran and I caught a ball that would normally be a, a one hopper for a base hit. Coach then hit me a similar ball that I did not chase down allowing a one hop four base hit. Again, he yelled at me, catch the ball. All the kids just watched as he drilled me to submission. Finally, he hit another super high ball. As it came down, I caught it in the pocket of my glove, waist high center. Come in here, he yelled. Who do you think you are, Willie Mays? When I arrived at home plate to meet Coach, with a dejected look on my face, he said to all of us, you catch the ball up here, holding his hands above his head. Not down here. Later, when I explained this to Dad, who wanted to hear uh, every baseball practice detail and play. He just asked, can you catch it above your head? I said, yes. In a calm voice, he said, then do it. He went on to share with me certain ways to hold the baseball, to throw a sinker, or a curve ball, or a knuckleball, or a sinker. He was deeply knowledgeable about baseball. More than an average fan, I thought, who had a shoulder injury. Hmm. There was no more hot-dogging for me. I became a serious player throughout the practice sessions. On one of our evening practices, Father Donahue and another priest came and watched. They took notice of my outfielder skills. The next practice, I was moved from outfielder to catcher. Even though I had never put on a catcher's gear before, the face mask, the catcher's mitt, leg guards, and chest protector made me feel right at home and special. I had no problem identifying with the pitcher. It was Timothy. His dad had donated the uniforms and he was captain of the safety patrols. Our relationship grew as he and I discussed the types of balls he would throw and the signals that I would need to learn. After about five or six practice sessions, the day came for the limited number of uniforms to be distributed. The roster was thinned out from the number of players who had signed up the first day, tryouts. I received my uniform and couldn't wait to get home and share this good news with my sisters and mom and of course my proud dad. They asked me to put it on and I paraded myself around the house until near dinner time when I was asked to take it off to keep from staining it. I'm reminded uh, of the characteristics of Jesus Christ who could mm, with a with a snap of his finger wipe out all of his objectors but he didn't now that's power with control. Now, he is my all time hero. Humble, meek, modest, lowly, and lacking in self-pride. Baseball blessings. Our new uniforms, hats, pants, uh, socks, gloves, gave us a professional look. Some kids had spike shoes that their dads had bought them. I had a new pair of tennis shoes that my dad had bought me. I will never forget the first game we played. We took the school truck to the game field. Because there were no windows except in the rear door, it was easy to concentrate on the signals that Timothy was giving me. When you want me to throw a fastball, you make a fist like this and hold it down between your legs, he said. When you want me to throw a curveball, make a peace sign pointing to the ground like this okay i said now a curve ball you will need to use your finger pointing down and then whether you want it to the left you got it yes i got it i said as i continue to rehearse in my mind doing warm-ups tim threw the ball okay but not with the power and force that I felt would be most effective against players who didn't know him. The game began and the opposing team wasted no time going up to a 3-0 lead. Every time I gave Timothy a signal, he would throw the same pitch. A lackadaisical, predictable pitch that was very hittable. And that they did hit after hit after hit. My retaliation for poor pitches was to fire the ball back to Tim two times faster than he was throwing it to my catcher's mitt. This had no effect as my signals continued to be ignored. I became more deliberate with my return throws to Timothy that made a smacking sound into his glove. With bases loaded and the third batter being walked in on pitches, I was summoned to the mound by the coach who made the decision right there and then to have me change out of the catcher's equipment after calling timeout on the mound and give it to Timothy right there on the pitcher's mound. I was then instructed to take over the pitcher's duties. This mini timeout gave everyone pause. The empires watched as I threw the first warm-up pitch to a waiting catcher, Timothy, who smiled with a, a, a sense of relief as he returned the ball back to me. When the inning resumed the long-awaited baseball dreams of mine began to step-by-step process of becoming a reality. There was a turnaround for us as I struck the next three batters out and ended a four-run streak lead by our opponents in the first inning. Although we were four runs down at the end of the first inning, the mood of our players had gone from what have we gotten ourselves into to we may have a chance. Doing my first at bat, I felt right at home, taking the first pitch, focusing and watching the release of the ball, his technique, breaking down the speed and rhythm that he threw the ball my instincts kicked in as his next pitch was hit for a home run our team and the players parents on both teams applauded and cheered as i rounded third base to home to awaiting coach and teammates who were by now off the bench (laughs) there would be two more home runs by me and three doubles and a stolen base we won our first game six to four the first game brought to me notoriety and fame as saint peter's school newspapers brought attention to my heroics and our teams come from behind victory. The school principal, Sister Stompia, uh, knew me only as the Negro kid who stayed after school a lot, gave the team a round of compliments and introduced the Monsignor over the intercom. He said he had not seen a more exciting game in the many years and congratulated us all. Monsignor instructed all students and staff that they all needed to support the coaches and players and restated that this was the first baseball team that the school had ever had and that our future looked bright. And he then said a prayer for all of us. Thank you for listening to Growing Up on Capitol Hill. This is Johnny Walker, and uh, God bless you and your family. And uh, continue to be safe, wear your mask, uh, and uh, be a blessing. That's all one word, be a blessing.